If you nobodies out there know us as well as I would hope you do, you would know that October and Halloween in particular hold a very special place on the SNHNSN calendar. So in honor of this very special month, we're going to try our very best to set an appropriate mood leading up to what I hope and suspect will be a real special after-school style episode on Halloween. No, I haven't figured out what it'll be yet. Get off my fucking back. I'm preparing for a baby, for fuck's sake. This is exactly when listener suggestions would help the most. Well, for now, I'll leave you with this final sentiment. Boo. My fire's burning bright Fucking faces in the night I remember Halloween Dead cats hanging from walls Little dead are out in droves This is the month that we truly shine. Yes, 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 boys and ghouls. I yeah, I know that was super cheesy. That was that was bad. I was gonna try to just go over it, but I'm glad you called it attention like some, to it. Some classic Scooby Doo type shit. Oh man, old man Jenkins. It's always old man <laughs> Jenkins. Why is he not in fucking prison? How does this fucking guy still have time and like energy? Because he's old. It's in his name. Old man. (laughs) God damn him and his stupid awesome masks and and hologram projectors and flying machines. Yeah. Either either he's murdering the people that are helping him put all these plans together. You know, like any good gangster would. Mm -hmm. Or this man is a fucking genius at preparing the setup just kind of a turd at executing it he's just uh, yeah i mean how fucking yeah you're the good guy you old man jenkins you just uh, (laughs) i don't know why no one will come to my amusement park that's because you have insurance on it you asshole (laughs) he needs some young spry med student or something you know, who's just nutty bar, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I've seen a few episodes of cop shows where that's the case. Indeed. You know, Indeed. some psychology student or some shit. Hey, Chris. Hi, Jason. Chris Berrios, and my my name is Jason Rambo. Uh, we have a, uh, a, 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 a guesticle uh, in with us tonight um, who is now your live-in work partner slash um uh guy that doesn't allow you to be able to masturbate in your truck anymore he's a grown ass man he can do whatever he wants to there just you not while go I'm around. <laughs> just, just not while i'm around that voice that you've just heard i believe his name is mike because that is what i was told and i am a gullible little person <laughs> yeah, aka uncle sexy mike A.K.A. Hey, that fat kid. A.K.A. The Top Tank Terrorist. Yes, sir. Yo, speaking of terrorizing the Top Tank, 
Uh-oh. I'm gonna try Uh-oh. not to die laughing again because Uh-oh. every dude, it's amazing. So last night. Uh oh, <laughs> this seems real fresh. <laughs> oh man, last night we <laughs> stopped in. Uh, it doesn't fucking matter. Right <laughs> uh, Kenosha, actually, we were right outside of Kenosha, Wisconsin. And uh, we stopped to get some food and switch drivers because my time was up. It was time for him to drive. Uh, oh, no, wait. It was... West Jefferson. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. So, wherever. It doesn't fucking matter where it was. <clears throat> we walk into a Wendy's and the cashier has this just fucking resting bitch face. Like, like, like it's part of her job. Mm-hmm. Right? And... I forget what he said, but her reply was, oh, no, you're fine. And my reply was, I know, girl, shit, that's not what was in question, (laughs) but thank you. (laughs) And the resting bitch face became active bitch face. Ooh, activated the bitch (laughs) face for real. Uh, Yeah, and, and, and it never went away. Her, she never, like, she didn't, she barely even looked at us. And she still helped us. She still did her job, ish. She gave us cold ass nuggets. Gross. Fucking my my snack wrap was fucking awful. But um, she was just a right cunt. Like, the everything about the whole experience time. was garbage. Yeah. <laughs> well, like maybe so... she just had to take a poop real bad. Oh well, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can tell so... where the story's going. But continue, please. I think you I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. <laughs> I, I'm gonna let him finish it up because it's <clears throat> oh, pretty amazing. Jesus, man! You know, I just after the resting bitch face, about ten minutes of her eyeballing both of us. You know, I just I, I had to take a shit. Let's be honest. So I felt the need to take a shit in the upper part of the toilet. So she had to clean it up. <laughs> The upper decker. It made it made me feel good on the inside. It truly, truly did. <laughs> you know what, Mike? For no I, other reason but to ruin her fucking day. I will tell you right now that if there's the the one thing that this show is about more than anything, it's honesty. Oh yeah. And I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm glad you're being honest about it. I see. I, the only problem I find with the uh, the upper decker as a prank or uh, necessity is comfort level when i go to take a dump yeah. i'm gonna be in there for a minute and i just oh no <laughs> well see that's I why time I, records man yeah it's, that's why crazy. i can't jerk off in the truck while he's fucking taking a shit because he's only gonna be like three minutes like it was three in and out, out. <laughs> it is it's what i call I a QMS, the, the quick shit mammoth done. shit i have not been that regular since i was 15 years old you uh, and me both brother so you and me both you have just <laughs> Uh, downloaded, tuned in, uh, stumbled across a missing telephone that happened to be playing this at the time. Episode of See No, Hear No, Speak No. The UFOs, the conspiracies, the top tank terrorists, Whoop. and the Midas. That's the right. Yucky, yucky Midas. And to celebrate this most holy and respected of months we've decided to do something uh possibly a little fun 
possibly, well, definitely a whole lot of uh, different than our usual format. <clears throat> We're going to just do our best this month to bombard you with cool little minisodes that are tellings of just flat out fucking ghost stories. Some will be uh, like tonight is based on actual happenings. Some may not be. I haven't decided yet if I will tell you if they are or not. <laughs> but nah. we are going to regale all of you with the creepiest of creepy. And we're going to make fun of ourselves and others as we do so, like usual. But like usual, these should be nice little fun little fun size little fucking goddamn you why can't you just buy a candy bar what who no one wants fun sized it's not fun because then you eat seven of them because one's not enough but then if you just had a whole fucking candy bar you could just eat the whole fucking candy bar and you'd be like "Mm, i just had a snickers well no now it's like ooh, i smell the snickers but now i've eaten 12 fucking goddamn tiny little snickers fat kid's gonna have a hell of a time Mm. which is why a gaggle of snickers which is why instead of buying fun-sized candy bars for the kids that come to my house when I open the door and they say trick or treat, I kick them all in the throat. And, there you go. And then I slam nice. the door. And when the police come, I say, that one there tried to rape me, and those two were trying to hold me down. I decided to pass out tricks this time. Mm-hmm. Nobody was expecting a kick in the Adam's apple. Nope. Or and a night in prison. A little girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mm-hmm. one that's dressed like a princess. That one. The one that's crying. Barely breathe. I'm gonna drop that little bitch. That's the richest officer. Can't reach shit on the top shelf. Ass motherfucking useless. Always gotta be wearing a fucking tiara. Ass like you don't go to grocery stores in tiara, you little bitch. What are you thinking? No, real princesses don't do that. God, no. Anyway, the nerve. Anyway, I I had considered though, <clears throat> once I finally reach adulthood and actually have a spot that kids won't be terrified to knock on. Um, I, I, I had considered, you know, like, like we said, in the spirit of the show, we're nothing if not honest. So I figure, why don't I just pass out just razor blades? Fuck yeah. hiding them in candy. The candy's for me. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to pass I, out razor blades. No bullshit. I had this same exact conversation about two weeks ago with uh, Melissa and, and her friend Kelly. I was like, I think we'll just give the kids the choice and we'll just hand them either a razor blade and candy or a syringe and candy. We're like, okay, look, <laughs> just totally, this is, I, I'm not going to hide it from you, but I want you to try it. You got to at least try it. Life at least is it. about experiences. That's right. That's all. That's right. You haven't lived if you haven't experienced anything. I mean, I guess in a in a in a in a, in a biochemistry sort of way yeah. you have, but but it's like you haven't lived until you've almost died. Yeah, this existence is worth so much more mm. than there, just candy bars. There is no pleasure without pain, and there is no pain without pleasure. I'm not saying that the two need to happen simultaneously, but you can only know that pleasure is truly pleasurable if you've really experienced the pain. 
Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to second that, for sure. Which perfectly segues into tonight's story. Now, nice. for tonight's story, we will travel back to the hometown of Chris and I, New Orleans, Louisiana. And oddly enough, the very home that this story is written about is not five blocks away from the LaLaurie Mansion, which we've done an episode on that if you uh, feel so inclined, you should certainly listen to. I thought it was a blast. It was a very... Fuck, man. It was bad. Yeah. (laughs) What what that lady did to those popo slaves. Uh, Well... I think when it comes down to it, what it what it what it really says about our city is that we are not to be fucked with Mm-mm. in any time era. Mm-mm. Period. Nope. We will not just fuck you back. We'll do it with a smile and a way too big dildo. Oh God! I see the one I use I, I, because I'm not legally allowed to have a firearm. So what I do is I, and I think I may have mentioned this in a previous episode. I um, I brandish what's called a cock saber. Mm, yes. It is. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. Yeah, a dildo with a sword hilt and handle. I, I believe. So I can provide mushroom tattoos. I, I, I believe that the first time the uh, the cock saber was brought up was either very close to Halloween, or on Halloween proper last year, so... Oh, wow. Memories! Right on time. (laughs) This house that we're talking about tonight, uh, specifically, is located at 1716 Dauphine Street, which is on the corner of Esplanade and Dauphine, which is just fucking, like, a pretty major street away from the French Quarter and possibly just as close if not closer to the Mississippi River meaning this fucker is downtown Uh, well it's just on the outskirt of downtown it's really I guess closer to the bywater but but if you're walking around anyway there's no reason you can't get to it very easily this is a a, a big beautiful home or was a a home I, I don't know what it is now I, I looked it up on on google street view and it is a, uh, a, a to this day just a gorgeous gorgeous place um i got this story from the same book that had originally introduced me to the lolores which is uh titled new orleans ghosts and it was written by victor c klein now i i read this book in in middle school i would read it on the bus on the way to school this was written in 93 so i was all at 10 years old when this fucker came out always been creepy and uh and the stories in this book have fucking stuck with me like crazy and thinking about what story i would begin with i knew it was going to come out of this book for the first story of the month i wasn't totally sure that it was going to be this one but i'm fucking glad it is this story uh, is titled The Sultan's Retreat. And it goes as such. Already tickling my funky bone. One of the French Quarter's tallest... Oh, no, sorry. That was Mike. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Geez. Cut it out. I'm We're trying to record. Tell him about it, man. What the hell? I will We're turn... Gay and shit on the damn internet. <laughs> I will turn this fucking car around. I swear to God. Can't stop Dude. it. 
Dude, when I was in when I was in seventh grade, we actually had a bus driver pull off on the side of the road, throw that bitch in park, and turn around and tell us <clears throat> a full bus worth of children. Uh, if you guys don't sit down and shut up, I will drive this damn bus into a ditch and kill us all. Shit. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I have no doubt that you all deserved that. Oh, <laughs> did we ever? <laughs> no doubt. Ah. Yeah, that bus driver's mind is forever scarred. One of the French quarters, son. Doing it. Probably, I'm about to. <sighs> One of the French quarters' tallest and most imposing buildings has also held a dominating role in the area's legends and mysteries. Tradition maintains that the palatial edifice once witnessed a scene of rare carnage and hideous rape that still lingers within her massive, blood-imbued walls. Oh, shit. You know you're in for a good time. You know you're in for a good time. My nuts are tingling already. These walls were constructed in 1836 by a wealthy and socially prominent Creole gentleman, one Jean-Baptiste Lepriet. The mansion was of grand design. The polished hardwood floors reflected the delicate beauty of the imported lace and satin which adored, which adorned the sun-filled, sparkling windows. Crystal chandeliers bathed the chateau with a galaxy of warm, inviting light. Jean Baptiste's home was a center for the rich Creole culture, which dominated the life of the French Quarter during the first half of the 19th century. If ever a home was built for cultured entertainment, such was the one created by the hand of Jean Baptiste Le Priet. <clears throat> Unfortunately for Monsieur Le Priet, the romantic culture of which he was so so much a part of started to wane during the second half of the century. Many Creole families began to lose the economic power they wielded for so long. As a result of changing fortune, many proud Creoles were forced to rent or sell their properties. Jean-Baptiste joined the ranks of his impoverished brethren and was obliged to rent his home. Le Priet's tenant was a mysterious, grim Turk who claimed to be the deposed uh, see, this word, <clears throat> this word tripped uh, uh, both Melissa and I up last night. Uh, Potenate, P-O-T-E-N-T-A-T-E, Potenate, I guess, okay. of a distant eastern realm. The exotic Turk brought with him a fortune in gold and precious jewels. He established accounts at the largest banks and drew letters of unlimited credit. The quote-unquote sultan began to use his great wealth to transform the Creole social palace into an oriental pleasure palace. Heavy incense replaced light per Heavy incense replaced light perfumes. A group of eunuchs catered to his needs. The gentle beauty of Creole finery was replaced by lavish oriental accoutrements. The eunuchs were armed with wicked daggers and merciless swords. They patrolled the Sultan. Yeah, the Turks are some pretty fucking <coughs> savage, ruthless. Oh sons yeah, of they uh, they will fuck you, silly. Yes. Even the goddamn, yes. even the, the the eunuchs apparently. So. I they, bet they give great head though. They can't do much much else. Mm, <laughs> I mean, they can't give you babies, but no. they can have fun trying. They patrolled the Sultan's <laughs> property like soldiers. Where windows once open to the clear sky, there were boarded and locked shutters. The iron gates surrounding the property were chained and locked. The enigmatic Turk had created a fortress and lived within its walls like a general under siege. The new resident created a drum of 
a drum of security and silence about his person. Of course, such activity aroused the interest and curiosity of his neighbors. Everyone was shocked by the change of character through which the palatial mansion had passed a few scant weeks before the house was a center of light and festivity. Now, it stood dark and foreboding. Within his web of privacy, the Sultan had spun a world of mad delights. His retreat housed a substantial harem populated by women of all hues and sizes. Young... Nice brothel. Oh, and then... It gets worse. <laughs> See, that part's like, yay, sex with ladies and stuff. But then, young Arab boys attended to the Sultan's less orthodox desires. Which means he fucked young boys, too. Yeah, mm. that's not cool. That's a Cut it out, guys. Ugh. Surrounded by opulence and guarded by fierce eunuchs, the Dark Turk entertained passions too numerous and shocking to detail. His life seemed a blissful dream born through the narcotic vapors of a forbidden pipe. Which means opium smoking. That's exactly what I was gathering. Opium and hashish. One fateful night, the reclusive pervert's utopia was ripped apart. As dawn ended that silent night, neighbors attending to their morning's business noticed rivulets. Wait, are we talking about... Dropping a deuce, tending to morning business. What are we talking about there? Oh no, no. Um, like, um, well, I mean, that's part of it. That's not. Cup I mean, coffee and a smoke. That's. I mean, you smoke and the coffee on the toilet, and then, well, like, that's that's more like a, like a like a pre-business ritual, I guess. Because wow. it's like an everyday thing. It's not like a you know business is 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 just different. It's not business. Chris. Well, I guess I gotta change my name for it. <clears throat> What is your is your name, uh, Chris? Doing business, morning business, business guy, business. <laughs> Close, but you know, you know how we say in uh, good old no. You know, we call it business handling. I thought I, I was like business. Go handle some business. Let's go ahead and the business. It Whatever is. works for you. No, it is. I like it. One fateful night, the reclusive pervert. Utopia was ripped apart. As dawn ended that silent night, neighbors attending to their morning businesses noticed rivulets of blood running from beneath the great locked iron gates. The authorities were summoned. Upon their arrival, they were met by barred doors. No amount of pounding could rouse the occupants. The police forced the doors. Inside the dark, incense-laden rooms, the officers found a scene of utter catastrophe. A great battle had waged, consuming the lives of the Sultan and his entire retinue. Blood and viscera slicked the polished floors. Headless trunks and mangled limbs were scattered throughout the great house. No room was without a horror. The police wow. soon realized that death had come to all the victims through sword or axe. No gunshots were fired, which accounted for the relative silence of the butchery. It was impossible to say what body belonged with which head or limb. Even estimating the number that had been destroyed was complicated by the extent of the carnage. Body parts had been mutilated or burned to such a degree that an exact count of the dead could only be estimated. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> it gets, Somebody it gets, went... Uh... It gets funner, too. It's good. The horror was not only confined to murder. The beautiful harem girls, the boys who entertained, 
and the eunuchs who protected the degenerate sultan were subjected to vile sexual and physical assaults. The scandal was delicious. Stories of what I happened... I mean, it, it was their job. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what they're supposed to fucking do. Stories of what happened on that dreadful night have fueled the imagination and appetites of many an errant young man and wayward female to this very day. The Turk's mutilated body was found buried in his garden. His suffering, contorted appearance testified that he had been buried alive. In his struggle to free himself from death's clutches, he had partially torn himself from his premature grave. Unfortunately wow. for the Sultan, his efforts were too few, too late. He died suffocating on the rich, black, blood-soaked soil of his garden. Wow. Now see, kids, this is what you get for spending your life smoking opium. Had he not been in a fucking dope coma uh, most of his, you know, most of the damn time, perhaps he would have had the strength and possibly even wherewithal mm-hmm. to get the job done. I was going to say you go out in the most fucking metal way possible, which is like cool as shit. Mm. I mean, dude, being buried alive is like one of the fucking scariest things I can think of. Give me some of that sweet treat opium, is what I'm saying. Oh, see, okay, I wasn't okay. Uh, now I'm following you. Chris <laughs> is like, now I'm cool with buried alive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm gonna nod off anyway. Exactly. Just give me one last hint for the box. Yeah, dude, if I I heard the slaughter a coming. I would just be eating it all. Yep. The identity of the murderous fiends responsible for this hideous crime is open to historical conjecture. One theory holds that those responsible were members of some nefarious ship's crew. These devils had some dark business dealings with the reclusive wealthy potentate. Upon realizing his enormous riches, the ship's company devised a scheme of plunder, rape, and homicide. They invaded his citadel and annihilated its protectors. With their safety assured, these black guards tortured the sultan and amused themselves with his concubinage. With, with the first rays of dawn, they returned to their ship, the river, in safety. So that's one guess of what could have happened to these people. Another opinion... Well, other opinions were certain that the marauders were assassins hired by the Turk's brother to avenge a theft and an insult. Seemingly, the quote-unquote sultan had absconded with the fortune stolen from his sibling. The fortune's rightful owner searched the world for his felonious brother. Eventually, the thief was found ensconced in the Le Priet mansion. Le Priet. Having acquired this information, the brother sent his minions to New Orleans to reclaim the massive fortune and extract a brutal revenge. But as we all know, minions being tiny little yellow pill-shaped guys with one eye sometimes are nothing but a bumbling crew of comedy, mother fucking gold, Chris and Mike. Very <sighs> true. I'm, I'm right there with you on that one. <clears throat> I keep catching. They they are multilingual too. Mm-hmm. Like I'm very impressed by them. It's great because their main their main language is gibberish, but they add in all of everything. They are some scamps to the scampish degree. 
And I would pay any amount of money to see a group of minions raping and killing a house full of Turkish people. Wow, that just got dark. Yeah, I mean, because they're supposed to be villains anyway. Right. Yeah, do something yeah. villainous, you yeah. goddamn cute bastards. Like, oh, Disney movies, man. <laughs> mm. Build me a laser. Pixar, I don't know what the hell it is. You know? Oh, it's just kids, though. Build me a laser, cut this guy's head off, rape that little boy. Yeah, I mean it's it's day, it's just like everyday villain stuff. I mean, come on, you villain. Whatever the facts are, though, they lie buried with the long dead players of the strange tale. What is a verifiable fact is that the Lepriette House has a history of documented hauntings that extend through time to this very day. The most recent cases involve two New Orleans two New Orleans residents. <coughs> A Miss Vergie Poston and a Mrs. Jean D'Amico. The first testimony comes from Miss Poston, who was a tenant in the old building during the late 50s. In a Times Picayune interview, she went on record stating that during her tenure in a ground floor apartment, she was startled numerous times by the appearance of a silent lone male figure garbed in outlandish oriental fashion. The figure disappeared a mysterious, as mysteriously as he appeared. These manifestations, unnerving as they were, didn't force Miss Poston from her apartment. Her haunted flat was close to her employment and it was inexpensive. These pragmatic concerns overshadowed whatever trepidation the, re- the restless shade engendered. She learned to coexist with the strange appearances until one fateful, fear-filled night. On the night in question, Miss Poston and a friend were spending a relaxed evening chatting about their careers and hopes for the future. The conversation was interrupted by the sound of footsteps in the hall outside Virgie's door. The footsteps continued as if to indicate a nervous pacing back and forth. Investigating into the shadowy hall revealed no disturbable presence. Miss Poston theorized it was the mischievous ghost of her acquaintance up to his old tricks. She dismissed the incident and resumed her conversation. It was at this time that she and her friend were startled senseless by the most hideous, blood-chilling scream she had ever heard. The power and volume of the scream indicated a more of a beast from hell than a human source. The monstrous sound emanated from the bottom of a dark spiral staircase and waged itself through the entire building. In an instant faster than any rational reflection, Miss Poston and her guests fled in total terror from the haunted abode never again to return. Which, yeah. You know? Like, just yeah. See, now that would piss me off. Cause first you got Casper, you know what I'm saying, a friendly ghost over here. Y'all chopping it up. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to get some dick. And then you got, like, all out Lucifer coming. I'd be yeah. so mad. Exactly. I'm like, so you and I have been cool for a long time, Mr. Ghost. And now <laughs> I have company over and you start acting up. <laughs> And I want to cut vaginas off and shit. How do you cut vaginas off, Chris? Who the fuck do you think you are? I don't want to go into it. It's, no, it's not pretty. I want to see graphs and medical <laughs> texts. <clears throat> so. I mean, I, I'll send you the TPS reports. I'll have them on your desk by Thursday. Yeah, I'm going to need yeah. them by this weekend. Approximately 10 years later, (laughs) goddamn Lumberg. Approximately 10 years later, 
Another voice recounted an experience with the unknown terror that stalks the ancient palace. The voice belongs to Jean D'Amico. In 1966, she and her husband Frank and their business partner Anthony uh, Vesich purchased the home so. in order to restore it and rent its many rooms. <clears throat> Miss D'Amico related that many of her new neighbors began to tell her about the building's bloody history and the chain of peculiar peculiar events associated with her newly acquired property. At first, she dismissed the stories as just so much superstitious gossip that's sometimes associated with dilapidated old houses. That was until she herself began experiencing the, ap- the appearances of our spectral visitor. One night while trying to sleep, Miss D'Amico became aware of a presence in her room. She opened her eyes and saw what appeared to be the figure of a man standing in the darkness at the foot of her bed. She lay perfectly still, gripped by her sheer terror. After what seemed like an eternity, the silent shape seemed to approach her. Summoning all of her courage, she reached for her bedside lamp. Instantly, the room was flooded with light that revealed nothing out of the ordinary. The specter had vanished. Miss D'Amico's story continues. She became aware of the history of her property. She learned about the quote-unquote sultan and his mutilation and hasty burial. Through this knowledge, she realized that a strange, twisted tree which grew in the courtyard emanated from the approximate site of the Turk's grave. Miss D'Amico remarked that the tree seems to be agonizing from the cursed soil to the outside street in much the same manner as the sultan is reported to have done. Could it be that the spirit of his death, agony, has somehow become incarnate and manifest in the living tissue of this tree, which takes its life from his almost forgotten, unhallowed grave. Uh, Jason here, I would say no. Um, <laughs> the Sultan's Retreat is a story I filled... A hard pass. <laughs> exactly. Sultan's Retreat is a story filled with intrigue, unanswered questions, and quite a store of documentation. In order to perhaps answer some questions and add to the anecdotal evidence, the, the author of this book attempted to interview Miss Poston and Miss D'Amico. No trace could be found of Miss Poston. The telephone book, directory assistance, and all the usual avenues for finding individuals were exhausted. Now that's the lady whose story was actually in the Times Picayune, so <clears throat> we kind of know that she did exist at least. Uh, Miss D'Amico was easy to find, or at least her name. She still resides in the old mansion. However, over half a dozen visits and notes failed to elicit a response. I'm sorry to conclude this story without an interview or investigation. Perhaps one day we will get the chance to roam the old rooms and corridors and maybe even meet the Sultan himself. Now, this book was was written in in 93, like I said. So (laughs) who knows what came of that? But that, I think, my, my fine fellows, is a pretty fucking cool, creepy story that you don't expect you don't especially expect to have taken place uh, in the heart of the city of New Orleans, so close to the French Quarter, of oh, shit. A, a, an insanely wealthy Turkish man moving into an old Creole mansion, turning it into a fortress of solitude, patrolled by eunuchs with daggers and swords, and just turned into a den of of hideous debauchery of violent sexual uh just completely just inhibitions 
out the fucking window. Just the what he had turned this, you know, once beautiful home that had uh, <clears throat> that had uh, greet greeted everyone warmly was this, you know, it, it could have been anything in there. You know what I mean? It, it even if he was just in there fucking trying to beat Super Mario Brothers like with a new goddamn you know world record. Yeah. Oh, boy. No matter shit. what, you block out all the windows and doors and shit, and you got men without goddamn balls walking around garden making sure I don't go in. The only thing you can be doing in there is fucking little boys. I mean, it's, it does sound like it kind of comes with the territory. and and Which, by the way, I will now make a memo to self. Um, opium is bad for you. And um, eh, so does a lot of things that comes with it, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just don't do it, kids. Just say no. Yeah. Uh, heroin no. is where it's at. Yeah. I was going to say the good old crack. You never fail. That's yeah. it. Never fail. Uh, you can tell which one of us is from Florida. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Florida's actually meth. Let's be honest. You know what I'm saying? You need a pot. No man, uh, like I said, it's all about honesty here. What we what we often say about this show, Mike, is uh, is that it's therapy, bud. And uh, you know we because uh, we get to say things out loud on the internet radio that we most likely would not say in polite, friendly company. But since we don't know anybody that's listening, eat and. No matter how numerous they may be, it feels good <clears throat> to let out the terrible every once in a while. It does. It really does. Which, I mean, you know, Jason and I have had this conversation several times. I mean, as much as we love you kids out there, um, yeah, if you all stop listening tomorrow, we're still going to make the show because mm-hmm. fuck you, it's for us. Yeah, I like making yeah. us laugh. I like yeah, this uh, is therapy in that way. You know, uh, at secret time, I once farted in church and blamed it on my elderly great-grandmother. Great fucking special, by yes. the way. Great fucking special. Yes. Oh, man. My grandma was instantly excused, you know. You exactly. Know. Like, you know, nobody was mad at her. She just got taken into the little changing room to see if she had pooped her pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Was mm-hmm. it by the, the priest himself that, like, or was it by like the usher? Oh no, it was. <clears throat> it was by fa- it was family members, but still, everyone uh-huh. smelled it, and everyone knew who dealt it, which means <laughs> everyone everyone was just that much more angry at me. But it, I didn't give a shit. I didn't believe back then. So, <laughs> so uh, that is well uh, that that's gonna be the very first quickie little uh, ghostly spook 'em up. Uh, scary episode of See No Hear No Speak No with special guest and hopefully since uh, you guys are as I've been explained by Chris you guys have been surgically attached at the waist yeah I like to call it non-gay prison movie partners oh man that is that is waiting to become an acronym that's fucking nail on the head (laughs) let's see N G P M P. No, it doesn't spell anything. Um, no. Let's see. Let's try to pronounce that. The, the combat pump. 
Unpump. Unpump. Huh. Yeah, no. Yeah. You know what? We'll workshop it. We'll 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 get we'll get something out of it. It'll be good. We'll toss it around, maybe guard with it a little bit, see what we come up with. But since you guys are are stuck together now, uh, I, you are more than welcome, Mike, to join whenever possible. And uh, our normal episodes uh, are a little more conversation, a little less storytelling. Uh, but oh, he's listening. Oh, before. I'm listening. Oh, good, good, oh, good. Man. Come on now, I can't, you know, I can't come on and not support you. There you go. There you go. I like this guy. Like to hear. I like this guy, it's Chris. That's just a fucked up friend, you know. And he's instantly, you know, and and I, and this is nothing to say bad against. Uh, oh shit! What was the kid's name? The first kid that came on and didn't say a fucking word. Oh, I thought you were gonna say something about Rob. Preston. I was gonna be like, oh man. <laughs> nah. But yeah, Preston. No, Rob's yeah. the dog. Preston, on the other hand, uh, was like a scared little bunny rabbit. In, oh, uh, or at least. That's what it felt like. Dude, we were so ridiculously stoned that night. Oh, well, okay, I'll let him. Uh, I'll let it. It <laughs> like, really does sound nice. Like, that, <laughs> that was the first time that I had smoked in months, and we I, we smoked too much. I don't know if you can tell by listening in that episode. I giggled quite a bit. I'm going to have to go and re-listen to that episode now that I know that little tidbit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, no, nothing against you, Preston. <laughs> But, uh, That's all right. Yeah. I, don't, I don't talk to him anymore. I don't care if he Mikey's listens either. Mikey's quite the personality. He does Preston. not give a fuck. He burned a big old hole in my car seat, man. Fucking what? What? Yeah, man. He was ripping ass like that? Nah, he, it's a whole thing. I'll tell you later. But Meth pipes are hot. Drop I, it, burn shit. I stole his PlayStation 4 because of it, so nah, nah, nah. Oh, I mean, that's yeah. conversation. That's not, you know, that's not. Well, that's right out there. Allegedly, ooh, allegedly. Yeah, that that's also one of the themes of the show is that uh, we did, yeah, you know, we did, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. That is a Some legal get out of jail free card. Is the word mm. allegedly. Some things happened. Some people were affected. Uh, you know, but but maybe not though. But, but maybe, maybe you've just listened to a awesome spook 'em up storytelling episode of See No, Hear No, Speak No. The UFOs, the conspiracies, the secret stool squad, woohoo, and the murders. Apparently really fucking sick-ass murders this time. Like, this one was... Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, kids, listen, give this one, since it's so short, give this one a couple of a couple of listens, and just put some thought into everything that was said about this carnage. Yeah, now, ch- Can I interject for a second real I, quick? No, absolutely. You, you keep saying kids, like... Uh, well, that's what I call them. If they're actual children listening to this show, man, I am horrified. <laughs> well, our, For the youth that is listening to this shit. Our target demographic is uh kindergarten to fifth grade so perfect yeah uh, we, fifth grade's understandable kindergarten we're we're growing them early man you gotta yeah you can't appreciate the beauty that is life kids are fucked until you've just really heard experience of the terrifying yeah, yeah i mean you know like like we said in the beginning you can't know true pleasure until you've experienced true pain. So I like to yeah, think that like we're providing me. a service. Mm-hmm. Batteries on your nipples and shit. That's not. 
Well, introducing kids to heroin and shit. I mean, allegedly, allegedly, (laughs) (laughs) and possibly razor blades. We're not sure yet, but. Trapping Jehovah's <laughs> It's still a fun time, though, and and I like to think that we're providing a service that the parents, you know, just don't have it in them to do. So they're it's, leaving it up to us. Exactly, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If you email us at see no hear no speak no pod at gmail dot com or s n h n s n p o d at gmail dot com, I will not only explain to your children that Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny are not real. But I will step by step explain the sexual process so that you don't have to. Yeah, yeah. Nor nor does that old fuddy-duddy in health class have to go and tell Mm -hmm. them what penises and vaginas are for. Yeah, yeah, see, fuck Miss Rogers. Miss Rogers is listening. She was a bitch. Fuck all of your orifices. Wait, you had you had a health teacher that a sex ed teacher that wasn't uh, a coach? No, 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 (laughs) right. Wow. Not at all. Old ass white lady, the hair, everything. Miss Rogers, I remember it because I was like, oh shit, that show's awesome. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Let's go to your neighborhood, see what's up. That's right. What's popping? Cardigan. She let me down. You know, she just let me down. Apparently, what was popping was boners, but Oof. not the good kind. I don't think her husband had a boner. That motherfucker was on this shit. I was talking about her, and I think you know that. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> got no comeback for that. Man. I got one. Damn. Countdown. Three. Two. Dos. One. Good night, kids. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We'll see you soon.